Hello and welcome to today's episode of Mythical Storytelling by Shinjan. Today's story is part two of the adventures of Papa Cures. Before I start though, as usual, just a reminder, if you like the podcast, then please subscribe to it and do share it with your friends and family. And if you really like the podcast, you can now show your appreciation and support by buying me a coffee. My ID is Shinjan B. Please see the show description for more details. Right, let's carry on with the story. Now, if you remember, in part one, we started talking about Papa Cures and his quest for adventures. And sometimes they did not end well, like we found out in yesterday's episode. So let's carry on from there. Papa Cures found himself again standing on a prairie, having assumed his mortal shape. After walking a short distance, he saw a herd of elks feeding. He admired the apparent ease and enjoyment of their life and thought there could be nothing more pleasant than to have the liberty of running about and feeding on the prairies. He asked them if he could not change him into an elk. Yes, they answered after a pause. Get down on your hands and feet. He did so and soon found himself an elk. I want big horns and big feet, said he. I wish to be very large. Yes, yes, they said. There, exerting all their power. Are you big enough? Yes, he answered, for he saw he was very large. They spent a good time in playing and running. Being rather cold one day, he went into a thick wood for shelter and was followed by most of the herd. They had not been there long before some elks from behind passed them like a strong wind. All took the alarm and off they ran, Papacurus with the rest. Keep out on the plains, they said, but he found it was too late to do so, for they had already got entangled in the thick woods. He soon smelt the hunters, who were closely following his trail, for they had left all the others to follow him. He jumped furiously and broke down young trees in his flight, but it only served to hinder his progress. He soon felt an arrow in his side. He jumped over the trees in his agony, but the arrows clattered thicker and thicker about him, and the last one entered his heart. He fell to the ground and heard the whoop of triumph given by the warriors. On coming up, they looked at the carcass with astonishment and with their hands up to their mouths exclaimed, Tiao, Tiao. There were about sixty in that party who had come out on a special hunt, for one of their number had, the day before, observed Papacuse's large tracks in the sand. They skinned him, and as his flesh got cold, his GB took his flight, and once more he found himself in human shape. His passion for adventure was not yet cooled. On coming to a large lake, the shore of which was sandy, he saw a large flock of brant, and speaking to them, he asked them to turn him into a brant. Very well, said they, but I want to be very large, said he. Very well, replied the brant, and he soon found himself one of them, of prodigious size, all the others looking on at him in amazement. You must fly as leader, they said. No, 
replied Papakius. I will fly behind. Very well, said they. One thing we have to say to you. You must be careful in flying not to look down, for if you do, something may happen to you. Be it so, said he, and soon the flock rose up in the air, for they were bound for the north. They flew very fast with Papakius behind. One day, while they were going with a strong wind, and as swift as their wings would flap, while they passed over a large village, the natives below raised a great shout, for they were amazed at the enormous size of Papakius. They made such a noise that Papakius forgot what he had been told about not looking down. He was flying as swift as an arrow, and as soon as he brought his neck in and stretched it down to look at the shouters, his tail was caught by the wind and he was blown over and over. He tried to right himself, but without success. Down he went for an immense height, turning over and over. He lost his senses, and when he recovered them, he found himself jammed in a cleft in a hollow tree. To get backward or forward was impossible, and there he remained until his brant life was ended by starvation. Then his GB again left the carcass, and once more he found himself in human shape. Travelling was still his passion, and one day he came to a lodge in which two old men, whose heads were white from age. They treated him well, and he told them he was going back to his village to see his friends and people. The old men said they would aid him, and pointed out the way they said he should go. But they were deceivers. After walking all day, he came to a lodge, very like the first, and looking in he found two old men with white heads. It was, in fact, the very same lodge and he had been walking in a circle. The old man did not undeceive him, but pretended to be strangers, and said in a kind voice, Will you show the way? After walking the third day, and coming back to the same place, he discovered their trickery, for he had cut a notch in the doorpost. Who are you, he said to them, to treat me so? And he gave one kick, and the other a slap, that killed them. Their blood flew against the rocks near the lodge, and this is the reason there are red streaks in them to this day. Then Papakius burned their lodge. He continued his journey, not knowing exactly which way to go. At last he came to a big lake. He ascended the highest hill to try and see the opposite shore, but he could not. So he made a canoe and took a sail on the water. On looking down, he saw that the bottom of the lake was covered with dark fish, of which he caught some. This made him wish to return to his village and bring his people to live near this lake. He sailed on and towards evening came to an island where he stopped and ate the fish. Next day, he returned to the mainland and while wandering along the shore, he encountered a more powerful manito than himself named Manabosho. Papakius thought it best, after playing him a trick, to keep out of his way. He again thought of returning to his village and transforming himself into a partridge, took his flight towards it. 
in a short time he reached it, and his return was welcomed with feasting and songs. He told them of the lake and of the fish, and telling them that it would be easier for them to live there, persuaded them all to relocate. He immediately began to lead them by short journeys, and all things turned out as he had said. While the people lived there, a messenger came to Papacius in the shape of a bear, and said that the bear chief wished to see him at once at his village. Papacius was ready in an instant, and getting on the messenger's back was carried away. Towards the evening, they ascended a high mountain and came to a cave in which the bear chief lived. He was a very large creature, and he made Papacius welcome. inviting him into his lodge as soon as propriety allowed he spoke and said that he had sent for him because he had heard he was the chief who was leading a large party towards his hunting grounds you must know said he that you have no right there and i wish you to leave the country with your party or else we must fight very well replied papacius so be it He did not wish to do anything without consulting his people and he saw that the bear chief was raising a war party so he said he would go back that night the bear king told him he might do as he wished and that one of the bears was at his command so papacius jumped on its back rode home then he assembled the village and told the young men to kill the bear make ready a feast and hang the dead outside the village for he knew the bear spies would soon see it and carry the news to their chief next morning papacius got all his young warriors ready for the fight after waiting one day the bear war party came in sight making a tremendous noise the bear chief advanced and said that he did not wish to shed the blood of the young warriors but if papacius would consent they too would run a race and the winner should kill the losing chief and all the losers followers should be the slaves of the other papacius agreed and they ran before all the warriors he was victor but not to terminate the race too quickly he gave the bear chief some specimen of his skill forming eddies and whirlwinds with the sand as it twisted and turned about as the bear chief came to the post papacius drove an arrow through him having done this he told his young men to take the bears and tie one at the door of each lodge that they might remain in future as slaves after seeing that all was quiet and prosperous in the village papacius felt his desire for adventure returning so he took an affectionate leave of his friends and people and started off again after wandering a long time he came to the lodge of manabosho who was absent papacius thought he would play him a trick so he turned everything in the lodge upside down and killed his chickens now manabosho calls all the fowl of the air his chickens and among the number was a raven the meanest of birds and him papacius killed and hung up by the neck to insult manabosho He then went on till he came to a very high point of rocks running out into the lake from the top of which he could see the country as far as eyes could reach while he sat there 
Manabosho's mountain chickens flew round and passed him in great numbers. So out of spite, he shot many of them, for his arrows were sure and the birds many, and he amused himself by throwing the birds down the precipice. At length, a weary bird called out, Papacius is killing us. Go and tell our father. Away flew some of them, and Manabosho soon made his appearance on the plain below. Papacius slipped down the other side of the mountain. Manabosho cried from the top, The earth is not so large, but I can get up to you. Off Papacius ran, and Manabosho after him. He ran over hills and prairies with all his speed, but his pursuer was still hard after him. Then he thought of a ship. He stopped and climbed a large pine tree, stripped it of all its green foliage and threw it to the winds. Then he ran on. When Manabosho reached the tree, it called out to him, Great Manabosho, give me my life again. Papacuus has killed me. I will do so, said Manabosho, and it took him some time to gather the scattered foliage. Then he resumed the chase. Papacuus repeated the same trick with the hemlock and with other trees, for Manabosho would always stop to restore anything that called upon him to give it its life again. By this means, Papacuus kept ahead, but still Manabosho was overtaking him when Papacuus saw an elk. He asked it to take him on its back, and this the animal did. For a time, he made great progress. Still, Manabosho was in sight. Papacuus dismounted, and coming to a large sandstone rock, he broke it in pieces and scattered the grains. Manabosho was so close upon him at this place that he had almost caught him, but the foundation of the rock cried out, Hey, Nemesho, Papacuis has spoiled me. Will you not restore me to life? Yes, replied Manabosho, and he restored the rock to his previous shape. He then pushed on in pursuit of Papacuis, and had got so near as to put out his arm to seize him, when Papacuis dodged him and raised such a dust and commotion by whirlwinds as to make the trees break and the sand and leaves dance in the air. Again and again, Manabosho's hand was put out to catch him, but he dodged him at every turn, and at last, making a great dust, he dashed into a hollow tree, which had been blown down, and changing himself into a snake, crept out at its roots. Well, that he did, for at the moment Manabosho, who is Okibaugeibon, or a species of lightning, struck the tree with all his power and shivered it to fragments. Papacuis again took human shape and again Manabosho, pursuing him, pressed him hard. At a distance, Papacuis saw a very high rock jutting out into a lake and he ran for the foot of the precipice, which was abrupt and elevated. As he came near, the manito of the rock opened its door and told him to come in. No sooner was the door closed than Manibosho knocked at it. Open, he cried in a loud voice. The Manito was afraid of him, but said to his guest, Since I have sheltered you, I would sooner die with you than open the door. Open, 
Manabosho cried again. The Manito was silent. Manabosho made no attempt to force the door open. He waited a few moments. Very well, said he. I give you till night to live. The Manito trembled, for he knew that when the hour came, he would be shut up under the earth. Night came, the clouds hung low and black, and every moment the forked lightning flashed from them. The black clouds advanced slowly and threw their dark shadows afar, and behind was heard the rumbling noise of the coming thunder. When the clouds were gathered over the rock, the thunders roared, the lightning flashed, the ground shook, and the solid rock split, tottered, and fell. Under the ruins lay crushed the mortal bodies of Papakuis and the Manito. It was only then that Papakuis found that he was really dead. He had been killed before in shapes of different animals, but now his body, in human shape, was crushed. Manabosho came and took his jibi or spirit. You, he said to Papakuis, shall not be again permitted to live on this earth. I will give you the shape of the war eagle and you shall be the chief of all the birds and your duty shall be to watch over their destinies. Thank you for listening to today's story. As usual, I'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback. You can contact me on Twitter. My handle is blabberingshin and you can also email me. My ID is iamshinjan at gmail.com. All these details are present in the show description. Don't forget to share and subscribe. And as I said before, if you really like the podcast, you can show your support by buying me a coffee. My ID is Shinjan B. So thank you once again. Till next time. Goodbye.